0: It never ceases to amaze me. I open one of the nationally renowned newspapers or magazines based in New York City and see a variation on the same headline. This Hudson Valley city or town is the new Brooklyn. No, just no. Welcome to the Metro Focus Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Flanagan. Having lived almost 20 years in the city before realizing that I had, in fact, had enough. I can say this with all certainty. If you think anywhere in the Hudson Valley is the new Brooklyn, you either haven't taken the time to get to know the Hudson Valley, or you never really knew Brooklyn. Now I know that hurts, because a lot of people's hipster cred is directly tied to which Kings County neighborhood they quote unquote discovered before it got hot. But the Hudson Valley, particularly the rapidly gentrifying Ulster County, is not Brooklyn. Although it does a great job of
1: attracting Brooklyn expats. We need more people living and working up here. And certainly, you know, there are sectors where the economy is creeping up. The tech sector, there are many people who work in technology who can work anywhere and can choose to live here. And, you know, you talk to them and you're like, why? And they're like, the quality of life. You know, you can be in the woods in 10 minutes from where we're standing right now, you know. And then you can also have a great meal right here. And and you're close to New York City. You know, life is good here.
0: If you don't recognize that voice from last week's podcast, that's Chronogram editorial director Brian Mahoney. And for those of you not in the know, Chronogram is the go-to lifestyle magazine with the who's who and the what's what of the part of the state stretching from northern Westchester all the way up to the south of Albany. We know it as the Hudson Valley. And Brian, like many other transplants before him, followed a pretty typical migration
1: path. So like everyone else is up here, I came from Brooklyn, uh, and I came in 96 uh, and moved up here. I had gone to school in New Paltz, and I would moved back to the city where I grew up and was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, and I started getting panic attacks in the subway, and I said, maybe I should go back to the country. And Wise so, move, I think so. Yeah, and so then I met a couple of people who had just started a magazine, and I joined up with them, and Chronogram, you know, came out of that. When my partners and I launched Chronogram in the 90s, the idea was to create a compendium of events, of stuff to do, because back in the early 90s, there was no uh, there was no internet, for one, and okay. so back then, in the Stone Age, we all relied on paper publications, and so we were like, you know, we can't really find out what's happening, so let's create something. It was a very much a DIY, let's... Uh, you know, put on a show mentality.
0: <laughs> All right, and of course, it's not like there wasn't anything that was going on. You were just telling people, like aggregating a location for people to find it.
1: Right, and so then the magazine kind of comes out of that, and so it has evolved over 25 years into something which is much more than just listing of events like Time Out New York, say, but more into what people would you know recognize as like a Village Voice style alt weekly, except we're a monthly.
0: I met up with Brian outside his chronogram office in an uptown section of the city called the Stockade. So, a quick history. The Stockade, or Uptown Kingston, is one of the oldest parts of the city and was originally called Wiltwick when the Dutch settled it in the mid-1600s. The neighborhood got its name when it was walled in, so to speak, to separate Dutch settlers from members of the Lenape Nation, whose land they were on, but that's a whole nother podcast. Anywho, the area grew as most settlements did and became Kingston in 1669, and then became New York's first capital in 1777 until it was burned down by the British during the Revolutionary War later that same year. And the state capital was moved to Albany where it is now. The point is, Kingston is an old city with a lot of history, and that's the very thing that attracts young urban professionals. But before Kingston became hot, it went through a mini depression, so to speak. The local economy of small factories and nearby farms had been chugging along for several decades until it got a major boost in the mid-20th century when IBM set up a factory in the area. The economy got a major shot in the arm and housing construction boomed. But then the company decided to move their operations overseas and life in Kingston began to fall apart.
1: In the 90s, IBM had just left, and IBM had been the major employer. And so Kingston had struggled for you know a decade and a half, two decades after that, to really find out what its next identity was. And the county, the city, all of the economic development officials were really keen on finding the next IBM to come in. And that never happened. And so what happened in its place was lots of empty storefronts. The, the uptown where we're standing now, which had been the commercial center, was kind of gutted. And the mall took away all of the retail. And so there was a real sense of like tumbleweeds blowing down the street. That's an understatement. <laughs> yeah.
0: Unfortunately, this is the Kingston that I remember most. I graduated high school about the same time that IBM closed its doors, and Kingston, which was always a small city, became marked with empty storefronts, rising crime rates, and an overall lack of opportunity for residents who were left behind. And the real estate? Well, prices began to plummet. But then, in the mid-aughts, about 2006-2007, something began to change.
1: And one of the things that happened was there was a restaurant that opened up uh, on Wall Street called Elephant. And Elephant was this kind of punk tapas bar. And it was opened by a couple of restaurant people who didn't want to open up your standard, uh, like sit down restaurant. They wanted to do something that was new and exciting. And they were gonna do it in Rhinebeck where they lived, but the rents were too high. So they said, oh, Kingston, we can get something for cheap in Kingston and take a chance. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of the first sense of something is flowering in Kingston and it, cr- and it suddenly you had all of these artists, all of these artisans coming out of the woodwork and coalescing around this place. And so out of that and that bunch of those people were the same people who started the Opositive Festival a couple years later, which really starts to put Kingston on the map as a hub of artistic activity.
0: And that's when things really started to transform. In 2010, Hudson Valley painter Joe Conquer started a festival of music and arts for healthcare called O Positive. And as the festival grew, Brian says more and more artists began to discover and resettle in Kingston.
1: If anything, I'd like to you know take some of the credit with Chronogram that we fostered a culture of creativity that you know, I've spoken to a few people that have said, you know, I, I used to come for the weekend and I saw a chronogram on someone's coffee table, and I said, you know, looking at this magazine, this is a place where I can live, right? And so, but the thing about it is, you know, Ulster County, Woodstock, New Paltz has always been a haven for artists. You know, I mean, you can go back to the Maverick Arts Colony, you can go, you know, even further back, you know, to Birdcliff up in Woodstock. And so Ulster County has always been a home for artists, and it's a place that's removed from the city where artists also are out of that kind of, you know, magnifying lens of the critical gaze of New York City. So they feel like they can come up here, you know, hole up, take chances, do those things. And
0: so, my little corner of the world started to diversify. As more and more of the creative class left the high rents and small spaces of New York City for a quieter, slower, cheaper space of the Hudson Valley in towns like New Paltz, Kingston, Rosendale, hell even Stone Ridge suddenly became an upper-class exclusive weekend getaway where some people even chose to move full-time. Restaurants, boutiques and artisan shops filled empty storefronts and real estate prices began to soar. But with the creative economic boom came a familiar tension I remembered from Brooklyn.
1: So one of the things that's really changed uh, the face of Kingston has been this idea of remote work. So the Kingston population since 2010 has actually declined. But the people who are moving in are moving in now instead of like when I did in the 90s, I came and moved to the Hudson Valley and was like, okay, I need a job. Like people are moving now with their jobs from Google, from other firms where they're making quite good money and they can live here, and their job is based in Chicago or Portland or New York City, and they can make that salary and then live here and maybe commute one day a week into the city, or they just work remotely full time for some, some company. And so that's what we're seeing. We're also seeing a rise in filmmaking. Andy's
0: right. The box office smash A Quiet Place was filmed in the Hudson Valley. And even actress and producer Mary Stewart Masterson is working on building a film studio in Kingston. But for many people who've lived in the region through the rough years, struggling to make ends meet on the less prosperous Hudson Valley salaries are feeling left out of
1: Kingston's trendy buzz. The problems come when you have organizations that spring up or businesses that feel like they're only catering to this new Group of people and their perceived grievances around that. But what's happening is these people are buying up these properties for outrageously inflated prices. And in one instance, one of these buildings was bought, and they said to the existing tenants, they said, the three existing tenants who had run retail businesses there, in one case for three generations, the family had been there. They said, you can stay, but we're tripling your rent. Right? And so they were like, well, I guess we're leaving. And so, you know, that's the downside to when these buildings are going to sell for these wildly inflated prices, they're going to need to, you know, make the money. But on the backs of what is a real question here. Because our population has been in decline, because that it's not as if everyone works for Google here. We can only support so many restaurants. We can only only support so many dress shops. And so we haven't solved the problem yet of how are we going to support all these retail businesses and how do we provide jobs for people, good jobs for people who grow up here. Not only
0: that, but some of the new business owners in the area misjudge its economic prowess, and they find themselves either disappointed or closing up shop when they realize they're not going to do the same amount of business that they once had in, say, King's County.
1: And so the real question is, you know, how do you support yourself on a Tuesday night in February as a a restaurant, right? And so there was a project that was proposed for the old Woolworth Building on Wall Street across from my office and the idea was it was going to be a italy style food court and 50 vendors and it would be bread, cheese, wine, etc. But you know it's a Saturday afternoon there are not many people out right and you can see this you know we're walking around it's kind of a nice day there's just not that many people here. The first nice day in months and yeah. Right and so the project you know is supposedly still going to happen, but I can't see how. So is any part
0: of the Hudson Valley ever really going to be a so-called New Brooklyn? No, there simply aren't the numbers. Kingston's population hovers at just under 25,000, and the dollars, Well, the median income for most residents is about 30,000. But that doesn't mean that the Hudson Valley towns and cities like Kingston are going to lose their appeal anytime soon.
1: There are a couple of real estate investors from New York who have done this. And they are saying they're going to be building boutique hotels. Yes. And so so Kingston, you know, could use a boutique hotel. I'm I'm fully for that. You know, Hudson Listen,
0: I can't put up every New Yorker in my house.
1: (laughs) I I can and I will not do it. Hudson uh, has three or four. Beacon has three or four. Kingston should have boutique hotels. But... You know, uh, with regard to, like, the cultural kind of force that's here now, all these restaurants, the art galleries, all of this thing, you know, it wasn't always thus. And, you know, it's funny, a few years ago, a friend of mine, Dave, who lives in Brooklyn, he wanted to make the change. He was dying to get out of the city. But he said, Brian, is there sushi in the country? (laughs) And I said, yes, Dave, there's sushi in the country. Move on up. And that that was enough for him. It was enough for me,
0: too. Next week, my story on what finally led me to say goodbye, Gotham, and it wasn't because the rent was too damn high. Thank you for listening. Want more of the MetroFocus podcast in your ear? Subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, please remember to like MetroFocus on Facebook and Twitter. And if you have a question for me or any of the Metro Focus staff, ask us on Twitter with hashtag MetroFocus.